Welcome to My Autism Tribe, a community of advocates that are linked by autism but bound by strength. This is a time to find our sounding board and shoulders that help us carry life's load without the fear of criticism. We give and receive. We nurture and empower. I'm your host, Susan Scott. Three years ago, my son Alex was diagnosed with autism, and our expected journey changed. I was intimidated, panicked, fearful, distressed. It was a dark and confusing time. Once I wrapped my head around the diagnosis, started digging for resources and support, and over time, I found pieces of advice that might help you on your journey. Today's guest is Tani Stevenson. She's an autism mom of four with two of her precious little kiddos on the spectrum. We'll be talking about the journey after receiving an autism diagnosis. She's such a delight, and I hope you find this episode inspiring, perhaps a little bit funny, and educational. Hi, Tani. Thank you so much for joining us today. Hi, Susan. I'm excited. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah, I'm. you are so sweet, and I was looking forward to this episode so much because we talked a little bit beforehand on the phone, and you seem just so sweet and such an inspiring mother, and I really just want you to tell our listeners kind of your family's personal journey. Okay, thank you so much. You're so sweet for saying that. <laughs> like that's really kind of you. I don't always feel nice and sweet, but um, <laughs> we all have our moments. <laughs> I try to be a good mom. Um, but thank you for saying that. I'd love to kind of share about our journey. It's been really of it's been a roller coaster, but mostly good. It's it just took a while to kind of figure everything out. But sure. Um. So my so. My son and my daughter, I both I put them both in preschool early. So just some background. My daughter is eight. She's almost nine. My mm-hmm. son just turned six. I love having my kids in preschool. I've always loved educating my kids. Um, even when my daughter was really little, I always like would read to her and try to educate her. And I just learned really early on that Brielle... Um, is and was a very unique child and a very smart child. Sure. Um, she was making some pretty um, original, she was having some pretty original thoughts and observations, even as like an 11-month-old. Mm-hmm. Um, like I remember camping with my parents and she was 11 months old and pretending to be a cat. And but just in an almost sophisticated way. Like, um, it's hard to explain, but she kind of, um, has just always been insanely good at communicating and memorizing. She would memorize entire books and then act them out in a play as like a two year old. I mean, just a smart, smart girl. And I knew she was different. Um, but I thought her differences were just amazing. I loved her differences. Mm -hmm. The hardest part for me as a mom is all of the judgment I feel like I get from other people sure. because my daughter has and was always been so special. I, in my opinion. Um, but when she went to preschool, her teacher was really negative to me about Brielle and mm. every day I would go pick up my daughter and this teacher would just, she would just say all the bad things that Brielle had done that day. Like, oh, she wasn't listening here. She she can't follow along when we're dancing. 
um, you know, she she won't stay in a line. She wanders off. You know, she gets distracted. And these yeah. things were just hard for me to hear because it wasn't like they were new to me. It was just that they had never been cast in a negative light before. Sure. And it really kind of stung, honestly, because I had always thought of my daughter as just being very special. And maybe that sounds naive, and it probably is, but honestly, it, it was hard. And so I took her to get, and this is this is something that kind of makes me a little bit frustrated because there are a lot of differences between how females and males experience autism and how that's manifested. True. So, and I'll explain that a little bit. When I took my daughter to get um, screened, all I was met with was almost uh, like, I know this sounds maybe a little dramatic, but it just felt almost a little hostile. Like, um, even the professionals that I, w- that I was meeting with, um, I don't know if they just saw me as just being naive or just, I don't know how they viewed me, but um, I feel like that will, maybe maybe I'll be able to explain that a little bit later because I feel like the legacy of the history ha- of autism has left us with a lot of garbage, honestly. Like, um, I don't know if you're familiar mm. with the term refrigerator mothers. I want to say like early 1950s or so, um, there's a psychologist named, and he wasn't really a psychologist. He kind of came to psychology through the back door. So I don't have a lot of respect for him. Mm -hmm. Um, but his name is Leo Kanner. Um, and he coined the term, I believe, and I could be mistaken in this, but I believe he coined the term refrigerator mothers when talking about mothers of children with autism. Um, because he, In hindsight, it's easier to see that the mothers of children with autism also had some autistic traits um, or it was somewhat in their family. And so he and not all mothers, not all mothers, but just um, he had observed some who one, I guess. Sorry, I feel like I'm getting a little bit on a tangent, but one trait of autism is that, you know, you don't connect very well socially. So mm-hmm. he um, he kind of saw some parents of children with autism as being cool or so oh. obsessed with with so obsessed with academia that they were not really loving towards their kids. I gotcha. Um, so anyway, I guess what I'm trying to say is that there's been a stigma against parents with children who have differences for a long time, mm-hmm. and. Um, and that combined with the fact that um, autism manifests itself differently in, in females meant that when I got my daughter screened, nobody could tell me really what was going on. And so I just kind of put it on the back burner, you know, and was just trying to kind of consolidate or just trying to console myself. Like, mm-hmm. okay, like my daughter's a little different. I don't know what I'm doing wrong, but, you know, I'm just going to keep doing the best I can. And, like, I continue to try. I tried to teach her to read, you know, and when she was in kindergarten just by myself. And, like, mm-hmm. I tried to just do all these things to just get her to, like, I don't know, just try to help her, I guess. Like, before, it was like a labor of love. Like, before she was in preschool and I was educating her at home and just enjoying her. And um, Mm -hmm. after preschool, after she went to preschool and I was having kind of a negative experience with that, it became almost out of fear that I was parenting. Like, Um. and I feel like that is still with me a little bit, but um, having my kids be diagnosed has helped a lot Mm -hmm. um, because it's kind of, 
helped me to realize that it's, you know, it's not that I'm a bad parent. It's just, you know, there's some neurodiversity going on that, you know, our society sometimes just doesn't understand. So um, anyway, so I'm going to move forward because um, all of that is kind of just background information. So sure. my my son, who just turned six, has is just a delight. He is just the sweetest little kid. He Aww. always has been just this wonderful little guy. When he went to preschool, his teacher was just the kindest. I actually sent him to a different preschool. She was so kind and just so helpful and I also had so she kind of raised some thoughts with me but in a very kind way and she was just like okay so I think your son you know maybe we should screen him she didn't bring she didn't label anything or you know she didn't say anything about um him possibly having autism it was just hey there might be some differences going on with five you know we should be aware of and mm-hmm. it was still a little too early. He was only, I want to say, three. Okay. Yeah, he was three. So um, it was still a little bit early. Um, but they do say, and when I say they, I mean most psychologists now agree that symptoms of autism will, will manifest themselves before the age of three. Right. So by, by two, from the ages two to three, like, you should have an idea that maybe, you know, a bell is ringing, maybe there's something going on. Right. So, um, we, so I kind of knew that five might experience some differences. So as soon, so we moved from the preschool that my son was going to, we moved to Arizona. So that was all in Iowa, all of everything that I said. Mm-hmm. With my daughter and my son, all of that was in, you know, the Iowa area. Okay. So we moved, we moved like clean slate. And I knew though that I needed to get my son in some kind of a screening process. Mm-hmm. My daughter, I didn't know what to do with. Nobody could tell me what was going on. So I just, I kept that on the back burner. So I put, I took my son to a program called PAL. It's it's a cute little program here in Arizona where um, students who experience developmental delays in any way um, can go and have free preschool through the public school. And they also, yeah, it's great. I think a lot of states do something similar. Um, I'm not quite sure on that, but I'm, I, I want to say that it's like a common for if a if a child experiences developmental delays that they get free preschool. I, I don't know if that's true in every state, but it is in Arizona. So thank you, Arizona. <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. Um, <laughs> yeah, so I did take my son to get screened for that program. And um, I was kind of hoping, like, oh, I hope they don't really find anything. Like, I don't know. But when they did, when they saw that he had a developmental delay, they were very sweet about explaining, yeah, he qualifies. And this is great because, you know, this will give you the tools to help him like mm-hmm. now that you know that he has a delay like we're gonna work with him you're gonna work with him like everything's gonna be fine sure. we didn't know that he had autism yet it was just developmental delay mm-hmm. um so anyway when we found out that he so you know a, a few months went by and um the school was more able to kind of pin down some of his I don't want to say symptoms because I feel like that's the wrong word but right some of the some of the traits of a person who experiences autism. Right. So they, they called us in, my husband and I, and we sat down and they were, 
very kindly explaining, hey, we, we're pretty sure your son has autism. This is just for the school. Like, we're just going to let you guys know because this is just us as a school that, you know, we feel that he has these traits. So you do, you should take him to a psychologist to get a medical diagnosis, but this is what we're seeing. Okay. So my husband very rarely cries. It was a very emotional day for us. Um, and, he, and he was crying and I was just kind of shell-shocked. I just, I honestly, I think I was in some kind of a weird, almost like haze. It's yeah. hard to explain, but um, I, I kind of wrote about it a little bit on my Instagram and on my Facebook that it was a very strange day because it was his birthday. And I found out that he had autism on his birthday. And I was so mm. ready to just celebrate my son. And I just, yeah. the, day, the day started with getting that, um, with having that conversation. And I didn't have like a cake or anything for him because I kind of knew that something was going to come up. And I had just been in kind of this weird, just um, days. And yeah. I took my son like to Walmart that night. It's kind of a funny story, honestly, to me yeah. now. But I took my, I, I don't normally buy cakes at Walmart. I don't know if that's like <laughs> rude to say or not, but like they're not usually the best. It tastes kind of weird. But like it was the closest store. So I took my son to Walmart to pick out a cake and he, he kind of did, you know, it was hard because he's like, because he does experience autism and he was kind of like running away from me and getting distracted and I was just like hey let's pick out a cake and you know he sort of picked out a cake I kind of helped him through it because he was just super distracted Mm -hmm. and I was distracted I think he probably picked up on that because um I really think he picks up on my moods you know yeah anyway so we were so we checked out we walked out into the parking lot I like put the cake on the bottom of the shopping cart because I didn't want my son, you know, to like get to it. Uh (laughs) I don't know. It was a dumb thought. Anyway, (laughs) um, we, we went over this like hump in the parking lot and the cake like flipped over out of the cart and like upside down (laughs) on the ground (laughs) on the parking lot. So I picked it up and it was just this big mess. And my, my son just like had like a meltdown in the parking lot. So I like kind of had to pick him up and pick up the cake and went back (laughs) into the van and drove home and you know I was just like crying because I was just like oh my gosh I just wanted to celebrate my son today and now I just feel like I'm just messing everything up and you know we got home and I don't even put cakes on top of my fridge I normally put them in the refrigerator but like all everything I did all of my decisions at this time were just daisy like I was just not there you know so I put the cake on top of the fridge thinking, okay, this way the kids won't get to it. I don't know. You know what I mean? It's yeah. Just my brain was not there. It you were in shock. Yeah, I mm-hmm. think I was. And um, the next day when we were going to sing happy birthday to him, I got it out and there were like ants on it. <laughs> it was so gross. And it was just a smashed up like ant covered cake. And it was just so gross. And... <laughs> So there's this weird tradition in my family where, like, I always forget the candles. It's just a thing. I always, always forget the candles. I don't know why, but birthday cakes, I cannot remember candles. Like, people always have to come to my rescue. It's a bad thing. Anyway, (laughs) so this time was not different. I had forgotten the candles, even though we had been to Walmart the night before. And I was like, oh, my gosh, my cake is smashed. There's ants all over it. We don't have candles. And I was like, 
screw this. (laughs) (laughs) And I like, I got like a candle from like that I had on my kitchen counter from Target and I like put it in the middle of the cake and we lit it and we sang happy birthday and like all the kids, you know, I have four kids and they all wanted to like eat the cake and I was like, no, (laughs) there's ants on this cake. Like you can't eat it. And we had to throw it away, which caused some tantrums and sure. We ended up making brownies. Anyway, I share this story because, like, I just feel like it was such a crazy time. And I there were, it was such a horrible birthday for my poor... I mean, I don't know if my son really cared, but I sure cared. I think it's and, probably harder for the parent in that yeah, case. Yeah. Yeah. And um, I was... Anyway, it, I was just in a daze and... It took me a whole year. So that was a year ago. My son just turned six. So we found out that he has autism when he was five. Okay. So it took me a whole year to kind of process, like, and go through this almost like a grieving process of, like, figuring out, like, what was, you know, what I could do. Like, what is my next step? And I I mean, during that time, I read a ton and I, like, I, I started to get the process started of like applying for therapies and you know as I'm sure you know and I'm sure a lot of parents who have kids with um, delays know it takes a while yeah you know to get that stuff going and um so after I found out that my son had been diagnosed or diagnosed through the school with autism I started reading about Asperger's because even though people don't use the term Asperger's anymore in terms of like an official diagnosis Mm -hmm. it's kind of old-fashioned to say that um it's still I feel like it's a little bit of a shame because it's still I feel like relevant in the way that it explains high functioning autism and right like in a way that most people can kind of relate to um, just because Asperger's was kind of the old term for that. And, you know, I am glad that now it is referred to as high functioning autism because it's more inclusive and it's more accurate. Mm -hmm. But anyway, um, I started reading about Asperger's and found out that, or it was just funny because my daughter who I couldn't, you know, nobody could figure out and who was now eight years old, Mm -hmm. You know, it was so funny because I was reading and there were just so many examples of girls with Asperger's and high-functioning autism, or sorry, and or high-functioning autism who um, were just like my daughter. And it was just a wonderful thing because I was like, oh my gosh, I, here it is. Here, here's my girl. And just, it was amazing because it was also kind of tragic, but it was amazing because I was like, oh my gosh, here it is. After I found out that both of my kids experience, or my two older kids experience autism, it was interesting. Like one minute I would, and I still feel this way in a way, like sometimes I'll just be so happy that I know what's going on and what we can do because we have the tools to help them. Yeah. And other times it'll just hit me like, I can't just, take my kids somewhere. I can't just grab them and be like, hey guys, we're going to the zoo. Right. Because everything has to be planned. And to me, that's hard um, because I'm, I've always been kind of spontaneous with my kids. I've always like wanted to kind of go on adventures and um, do things with them. And it's just not really something that comes easily, you know, right. to us. It, it's something that we have to work for. 
How was your husband feeling during all of this? I know that you were kind of in shock and I totally yeah. have been there, done that. And you mentioned that, you know, there was crying, you know, with your son's diagnosis. Right. How was the communication with you guys? I mean, how was he feeling? So my husband um, always has been the kindest, like, person. He's a really sweet man and just a great father but we both kind of had a thought that there was a difference with Fife at least my my second born Mm -hmm. and so Chris it's hard I feel like he processed things a lot differently Mm -hmm. um he he has been in a residency program so he's been really busy with that just you know, he, he works on patients during the day and then at night or on the weekends, you know, he would be studying for his upcoming boards. Right. And so he was just very busy. He like, we would talk about it and he would really, I don't know. I mean, we, I guess we would comfort each other cause it's not really accurate to say he would comfort me, but we would just talk to each other about what this meant for our family. Mm-hmm. And a lot of what we talked about was positive because it was like, okay, we know what's going on. Like Chris, my husband is really good at focusing on the positive and, um, yeah. And it kind of centers me sometimes. I'm, I'm okay at focusing on the positive, but it takes me a lot. It takes me a little longer to get there because I feel like I have to wrap my head around everything. Right. Um, yeah, we, we would just kind of talk about, okay, so, you know, what therapy is best. And I would kind of tell him what I had been reading about and we would kind of explore that together. And mm-hmm. just, I would say something like, okay, so I've read about ABA therapy that it's supposed to be really, really good for kids with who experience autism. And, mm-hmm. um, and then, you know, he would ask me questions about that. Like, okay, well, you know, what do they do in ABA therapy? And I would kind of explain what I learned about it. Like, okay, well, it's behavior-based and Mm -hmm. um, it's changed over the years. It used to be a little bit more strict and it's become a little bit more um, holistic. And, you know, Mm -hmm. we would just talk about, and the history, you know, I've just, I read a lot. And I mean, where my husband was focusing on boards, I was really focusing on learning all I could about autism. While I mean, of course, also taking breaks and reading other things like that were enjoyable for me because it it was kind of emotionally triggering. Sure. But um, yeah, so really, we would just kind of talk about what I had read and what was going on in the schools, and just kind of explore that together. And it's funny because, like, I don't know, he. Yeah, he's just, he's really good at asking questions mm-hmm. where I, I usually will take things on faith. Like I'll, I'll read something and I'll trust it. And my husband has a little bit more of the skepticism, which is good. It's been helpful for us to kind of have both of those um, traits because it's a good balance. Like it's a good balance. Yeah. And so even though I'm not naturally super skeptical my husband just kind of asking questions would kind of remind me that there is controversy relating to autism and it's not safe to accept everything that you you know you can't believe everything you read or you hear about especially where um and I hope that this doesn't offend anybody but I am pro-vaccine and just 
Um, It kind of frustrates me when I see things that are anti-vaccine, especially considering how terrible things were for people who had who had smallpox or tuberculosis or um, tetanus, you know, I mean, to bring those things back into our world is a crime. Yeah. And um, I, I do believe that autism is genetic. I obviously don't have any proof of that because even though it's been studied for, you know, years and years and years, we still don't know the cause. And I firmly believe that it's because it is related. I mean, it is on many different genes because it is genetic. Mm-hmm. And I I do believe that, you know, we need to become more accepting of neurodiversity in our culture because there I this will go back to my daughter a little bit. Mm-hmm. But um okay, so she has struggled quite a lot in school because she is someone who experiences autism in a very high functioning way. Mm-hmm. I don't think it's too much of a stretch to say that I think she is very, very bright. And just the kind of, I guess, the way that she doesn't understand how social interactions work sometimes Mm -hmm. has been really, really hard on her. And um, she gets her feelings hurt easily, you know, and um, even when people don't mean to hurt her feelings, like, sometimes she takes things the wrong way and it's just because I don't think she always understands those interactions. Right. Um, but I guess my point is that she has a lot to freaking offer. Yeah. <laughs> like, Absolutely. And so does my son, you know, and so does my son, but I guess I, I guess I'm focusing right now on my daughter a little bit because nobody freaking knew what to do with her for a yeah. while. And it was frustrating to me because I was just like, don't you see how amazing she is? Like how smart she is because she is, she's exceptionally smart. And, um, a lot of, um, very influential people in our society do experience autism or Asperger's. Yes. Um, they say that Silicon Valley is mostly, um, you know, made up, I mean, that there's a lot of people in Silicon Valley who have Asperger's. There are companies now who only mm-hmm. want to hire um, people who have high-functioning autism yeah. because, um, A, they want them to use their skills um, to help progress their company, and B, because there is not a place for them, right. unfortunately, in mainstream culture. And there needs to be. We yeah. need We need our children and these individuals who experience high-functioning autism because they are little scientists. They're just smart right. people. And I, I know that there is a spectrum. I know that there are um, individuals who require more support, but I, I firmly believe that we, we also need them. I, I think we need to be more accepting of neurodiversity. I think if it doesn't progress us as a culture, let's say, let's say, you know, it, it gets us nowhere, um, which I don't agree with, but let's, for, let's just for fun say that it gets us nowhere to be accepting. Mm-hmm. Um, then at least it makes us more compassionate, right? Yeah. Like at yeah. least it makes us better people. But that's not what I, I do believe that it'll further us as a society. I think it's good for, it's good for us to have people who have um, neurodiversity because of their strengths. 
But I also also very firmly believe that we need to be more accepting of individuals who are also lower functioning. Yeah. Um, I'm going to go on a little bit of a tangent for a second because um, mm-hmm. I feel like it's important. But um, I think this is kind of fascinating. But um, Hans, Hans Asperger, mm-hmm. um, who was arguably the first person to kind of outline the traits of someone who has autism. Mm-hmm. He actually focused on the higher functioning end of the spectrum because, or he was um, practicing in a Nazi era. So he was protecting the children that he was studying. So he was outlining these, mm. these children who experienced autism. He was seeing the low, the so-called lower functioning autism and the higher functioning autism but the reason why we even have the coined the reason why we even have the term Asperger's is because he focused on higher functioning children in order to protect those who experienced differences so if he he felt that if he focused on um, children who he felt could offer more to society that Nazi Germany would pass them over and not send them to like concentration camps and, you know, see these children as valuable. Yeah. So I have a lot of respect for him. Um, but unfortunately, Canner, the one who I kind of mentioned earlier, the one who coined the term refrigerator mother, right. um, unfortunately he kind of came across some of this work and, kind of misconstrued it to the public um, when he when he moved to America and um, it became a very confusing time for people who have Asperger's or for people who care for those who have um, who have high functioning autism if that makes sense I'm sorry I'm getting I'm using some of these terms interchangeably but um, I just think it's really fascinating because I think there's a whole history that has not been passed down like it should have been and it's created a lot of confusion and a lot of hurt for a lot of families um and just i think now we're seeing it with kind of the vaccine wars and Mm -hmm. you know whether or not we should vaccinate our children and honestly it's just really frustrating when i think all we really need to do is be more supportive of individuals who have neurological differences i think it is important to kind of maybe try to understand what has caused or what where and why I don't know autism occurs but I also feel like it's really important to have a lot of compassion for the families and for the individuals and not throw around blame that's right you bring up a very good point I think uh, as as parents we have that parent guilt every single day you know it's just if we offer that compassion and try to understand each person's situation um, and be inclusive of everyone we can all lead much happier lives and we can all focus our time and energy on things that are really truly important and that is just to love everyone and and offer them support And, you know, all of these great points you've made and thanks so much for sharing, you know, the books that you've been reading and it's all just going to be tremendously helpful, I think, for, you know, all of those that are listening today and you're so sweet. I just want to hug you. Um, Oh, you're so sweet. Thanks. (laughs) Oh, and thank you for saying what you said. 
I know. I wish we could have this conversation face to face. Yes, I know. Um, I like to say that, you know, hopefully this podcast is like sitting down with a friend over a cup of coffee. But my goal is to really, you know, try to make people feel like they are doing just that and and listening to just inspirational people like yourself so thanks so much for yeah thanks so much for joining us today and thanks for being a part of my tribe of course yeah thank you so much for having me i really appreciate it in conclusion here are eight points of advice number one don't jump to any conclusions there will be so many people telling you so many different things it can be intimidating just keep your chin up and push forward Number two, things could be worse. Autism is not a tragedy and everything will be okay. Number three, they're still your beautiful child, with or without a diagnosis. Number four, do not blame yourself. There isn't anything that you could have done to prevent your child's autism. Yes, you may receive stares in public. There will be uneducated people who ask you rude questions. It gets easier with time and advocacy does wonders for your community. Number five, do not stay in a dark place. Everyone has bad days and that's okay, but don't stay there. Reach out for support, get involved in your community, find your tribe. Number six, do not let the autism diagnosis rob your family. Make special time for everyone, including yourself. Number seven, there will be debates on whether you should use the word autistic or person with autism to disclose or not disclose your child's diagnosis. You choose whatever you feel is right for your family. These debates only cause division in the autism community and there are other ways to use your time and energy more effectively. Number eight, last but certainly not least, advocate. Make your voice stronger. I guarantee you their little eyes are watching and their little ears are listening. Thanks so much for joining us today and thanks for being a part of my autism tribe. See you next week.